0: today on CityCast Pittsburgh. We have a huge primary on our hands today. Governor, Lieutenant Governor, U.S. Senate, U.S. House, state legislators, and so much more. The field is crowded. And I know I haven't had the opportunity to meet a ton of candidates this round. So today, we're checking in with somebody who has. It's Tuesday, Election Day, May 17th. I'm Megan Harris, and this is CityCast Pittsburgh. Journalist Natalie Bensavenga has been hosting a bunch of Instagram Lives lately. They're part of this regular segment she calls After Hours for our local city paper. Um, So Natalie, the timing and production of these things, it really made me commiserate. (laughs) You know, with some candidates, it's super short. I think you only had like 10 minutes with Connor Lamb. Um, Right. But then with like Jerry Dickinson or Steve Irwin, you had almost 30. How does that all shake out? Like, how does it work on your end?
1: Yeah, it it was really just, I tried to keep them at under 30 because I think after that it starts to turn into something else. And I was trying, (laughs) I was trying to keep it to what it was, but with Connor, I could not get him, could not get him, could not get him. And then I finally get him and he jumps on and I didn't know his people didn't tell me that he was going to be at an event. So he gets on kind of abruptly and was just like, and by the way, I got like, 10 minutes, or I gotta keep. He didn't say 10 minutes. He's like, I gotta do this quick. And I was like, oh shit. Okay. So I decided to turn it into an after hours rapid fire special. So that's why the questions were just coming at him quick because I was trying to pack in 20, because most of them were about 20 minutes. So I was trying to pack that in. But some of them was like, yeah. You know, Steve was very willing to talk and very conversational and he seems so excited to talk about his background in the Senate. (laughs) Like nobody talks about Arlen
0: Specter anymore. And he really got to have a moment. He had
1: his moment. I know. I was like, ah, yes, Arlen Specter, the man from my childhood. Like I just, you know, it was great. (laughs) But but at the same time, I you know, I think it's important to give these spaces because we don't ever get to see these kinds of conversations with political candidates. You know, it's always either forums or very specific talking point. I hope, you know, I caught a few of them off guard at times. I was able to get some, I think, real answers out of a few of them. I liked Malcolm Kenyatta's energy when I brought up Oz. He was like, that fool. Like it was just very, you know, (laughs) you could tell he kind of just hadn't been prepped for that. And I love that because it was like, yes, that's how you feel. And we want to hear that. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was pretty cool. It was pretty cool. Yeah. What made you want to
0: do these, you know, because there's so many venues, mediums that you could have chosen to do uh, candidate interviews. Why pick... Instagram um, and Instagram Live in particular, um, it's just, it's so intimate and Mm -hmm. it was kind of fascinating to see the candidates in that
1: kind of space. That's why, because I I like to, you know, my background's in social work, so I'm a therapist by heart. So for me, a one-on-one moment with someone, I feel like you really get to know them and you get to see them interact and their personality and you see what comes to life in them. And I love Instagram Live because I feel like you're having your own little talk show And maybe it's just you and this person, but all these people can join in and they can comment. So there's this real time experience happening as well. But it also lends itself to what I was trying to do, which was inspire people, educate them through the conversation, and then get them to activate at the end by choosing to now vote. I wanted to get them either angry by what they heard or excited by what they heard. But either way, get them out there to vote. And so the goal was, what's a platform that can do that? Instagram. And I wanted to target younger people who I don't feel are watching the news who perhaps aren't watching some of these these forums being streamed. Yeah. A lot of people our age have just totally disengaged from the process. Totally. And so I think for for our group and for Gen Zers and Gen Xers too, because we ignore Gen X, but I love you, Gen X. You know, the, this crew, we need to show more, more love and attention. They were original disengagement. Thank you. Yes, and I don't blame them. But um, but I'm trying to re-engage them because as you know, the world is on fire and it's up, It's going to be up to us to fix it. We can't, We can't, there's no one else to look to at this point. It's on us. Yeah. Well, so of course, we have this huge primary on our hands
0: today. I'm so glad that you were able to connect with as many candidates as you were mm-hmm. ahead of election day. You know, just broadly, why did you get started with this project? It's, it's such, an enormous undertaking to chase down candidates and get on their calendars, let alone do it in a live way. You know what what drove you? Well I'm an Aries and I like a challenge.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and of course the
0: season must be really great on you right
1: now. <laughs> yeah, exactly. No, I started doing a show during um COVID thanks to Patrick Jordan from Bare Bones Theater. And they were doing a variety show to keep the arts community alive. And he said, do you want to do a weekly segment? And we joke and we're both like, oh, this will be fun for, you know, three weeks while COVID's happening. Like, like, you know, hello. And so I I remember those days. Oh, those days. So five minutes with was a segment that I started doing where I was interviewing thought leaders around Pittsburgh about equity and building equity, but basically just trying to keep community alive. And I did those every week. I think I did 76 episodes. And during that time, I know. And during that time, these, uh, the, the judges races were happening this very exciting moment last year. And you're the only person I know who would describe a judges race as a very exciting moment. (laughs) Okay. Full stop. No. And you know what? I'll accept that. And that's fine. Um, but the reason I thought it was exciting was because there were going to be so many open seats and we could really change the, the literal landscape of how the judiciary functions and how children are treated, um, because we see those cycles of generational violence, and then we see the same cycles of families in and out of those court systems. I'm seeing the social work background now. Here we you are. know what I'm saying. So there was a real moment here. So my first thought was, I'm just going to do one or two. So I did, and I, had, I started with a couple of judges that were running, and then I thought, wow, that was really fascinating. I want to do more. So like the person I am,
0: I put a call to action on
1: my own Instagram. And it was like, hey, if you're running for something, uh, hit me up within... For something, something." just for for anything. Because, well, I thought, well, there's a lot of races happening that nobody's talking about. So let's just see if anybody, you know, there's school board happening. There There was all kinds of stuff. And I was like, I don't know anything about a school board. This will be, Oh, yeah. No, no, no. It got better. So within 24 hours, I think I had 86 emails in my inbox. And I was like, I think I hit a nerve. So I started doing them pretty much every week and then there was there were too many. I I was trying to do two at a time on doing Yeah, like if you start incorporating things like school board and oh,
0: I was, commissioners and,
1: and sheriff's deputies, like this, it just goes on it and goes on. on and on, but I thought this is amazing because no one's doing this at all. And so then God love Lisa from the Pittsburgh City Paper, she's been so supportive of me. She reached Editor in Chief Lisa Cunningham. Yeah. Yes, yes. She she um she came over and emailed me and she said, We'd love to start amplifying these on our on our website. And I said, would you be open to letting me do some like spillover onto the Instagram live account? And they were into it. And so we called it or I called it after hours because I thought, all right, well, after the five minutes with show after hours, I'll do these. So the name just stuck. And so it started last spring. So I interviewed tons of the judges running tons of people for school board, um, people running for local office and a few thought leaders. I thought it was important to sprinkle in people that are talking about the issues from the issues perspective and not because they want you to elect them perspective.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's a totally different thing. And it is really, really valuable, especially
1: as an election is coming up. Exactly, and so for this round, um, I focused on you know who was running in these primaries, but I did sprinkle in once again, a few thought leaders. And then because of the explosion of Roe v. Wade and the uh, Supreme Court threatening to overturn uh, that precedent, I started I, a few weeks ago, I did a few bonus episodes around abortion specifically from uh, the reproductive justice perspective featuring Latasha DeMaze of New Voices, from uh, Jerry Dickinson, the legal perspective featuring Jerry Dickinson, who's running for Congress. And we talked around mm-hmm. the constitutional law perspective. And then Liana Menis discussed it being a transracial adoptee, talking about it from the adoption and therapeutic perspective. So it's been such an, an incredible space to be able to have thoughtful conversations in a way that people aren't talking about these topics. It gets a little yeah. wild. What's it like been, you know, from the engagement side, because,
0: you know, a lot of us have conversations like this, but it's usually in our own bubble. Right. And it doesn't necessarily invite folks to in real time be yeah. like, well, what about this? What about that? You know, were people coming back
1: at you with anything? You know, it was great because I would tell people that <laughs> when I had Shapiro on, I, I, uh, Josh Shapiro, who's running for governor, that was the one where I probably mm-hmm. fielded the most. We'll call them trolls, if you will. Um, <laughs> you know, because I'm, I'm interested viewers. <laughs> yeah, interested viewers from a different perspective. Um, yeah, and and I welcome all voices, and I tell people, you know, we're here to be respectful and keep it civil, and keep it that way. But you can ask questions. So what I would pose ahead of time is um, on my Instagram, like if you have things you want asked, let me know and I will ask them. And it worked really well because people, because they had a little bit of time, they did send me DMs and some of them didn't want to be named. You know, some people just wanted to share their comment, but then other people would share their question live. And if it was a respectful question, that was an actual question. Yeah, I would definitely ask it. And I would just say, Hey, you know, so-and-so just said X, Y, and Z, how do you respond to that? So I was sort of producing as I was hosting on the fly, right? Because it's coming out. Which me. is a, a talent and skill all its own. <laughs> but this is good because it's all I look at everything as like you're learning as you go and, and it's wonderful to have that opportunity. But yeah, we I definitely made sure I was not softballing um any candidate. I did ask the tough questions and I asked uncomfortable questions, but I did so in a way to help educate people. It wasn't to play gotcha.
0: Yeah, yeah. What do you think was the most, like, uh, I don't know, tense question you might have asked? I'm doing devilish fingers here for
1: anyone who can't see me. Yeah, you know, I think um, I think Josh Shapiro and I went, you know, we we did a little, nobody can see me, but I'm putting my, I'm very Italian. If I don't move my hands, I can't speak. Um, I was putting my fingers together, sort of like a little head to head. And I I asked him, you know, how do you walk that line between trying to appeal to progressives but also trying not to alienate perhaps moderate Republicans who are dissatisfied with what the party is devolving. Yeah, because as attorney general, he's really not had to like hold back ever. No, and now he has to walk the line. Well, let me tell you, I got a little taste of attorney general Josh Shapiro. And I understand why he is who he is and how he got where he got, because he kind of just was like, what? Well, you know. I'm not answering that question. I'm not answering that question. I I don't think we need to look at it that way. And I was like, well, you may not want to answer it, but I'm asking it to you because, you know, so I pushed back a little. I I wouldn't say it was tense. It was just interesting because it was good because this is who he is. And to be honest with you, we kind of need a bulldog in that spot because he's going, whoever is a governor is going to be in a tough spot dealing with potentially a very hostile legislature. So for mm-hmm. me, if I, as a, cause I'm also watching this as I'm doing it for me, I was actually like, okay, Josh, like, I don't know if I agree, but I'm glad that you feel so passionate and can say like this, you know, so strongly. So for me, it was not about his answer. It was more about how he presented it. And I thought, this is why this man's been doing it for so long as attorney general. And this is the kind of energy that you need. And to me, that's, what's fascinating about doing Instagram live. It's not just. Um, sound bites and pre prepped questions. It's like, let's see who they are. And to me, that was that was pretty cool. To see who he was. Yeah, I mean, and A.G. Shapiro is one of the few,
0: really, that doesn't have uh, any party competition in any real way this primary, too. Right. Um, so he's been able to be truly a bulldog um, yes. on every front, knowing that, you know, no one's really going to come for him until the general. Right. What was it like for some of these more, like, contentious races where there's, because of redistricting, we just have so many people in the field for almost every office. It's really rare that you have something that's uncontested, and that's up and down the ticket.
1: Yeah, you know, with with the more contested races I really tried to keep it to their campaign themselves and for me you know if very thoughtful questions I was very impressed oh thank you so <laughs> much thank you I appreciate that um yes uh, no I, I because I did I put a lot of thought into this I wanted this to um, mean something I wanted people to gather as much information so it wasn't so much about like why are you better than so and so it was tell everybody what separates you from everyone else in your own words, as you see the world and people, you know, they would say certain names in their races and say, this is why I'm different from them. But I didn't encourage that. I wanted to hear, I didn't want the the conversation to be about what the other person isn't doing. I don't, that's not what this is. What are you doing? And I think that's something in particular that Democrats in terms of messaging need to learn to do is okay, we know what's going on with your, with your competition, but just, or the incumbent, incumbent. there's a place for them there. Yes. But it's like, but that to me doesn't tell me what you're going to do. I don't really care so much about what you're not going to do. What are you going to do to champion the working person? And, and to me, that was a very important part of this.
0: Yeah, well, and you know, we should say, like, um, City Paper, I think somewhat wisely, um, and I know that you were probably involved in this decision, stuck primarily to Democrats. You know, City Paper is a city publication, Mm -hmm. like, the city swings, you know, extremely Democrat, and you know, you got a small staff. Um, Natalie, I know you're just one person, so even just covering the Democrats probably was a huge use of your time, but you know, when it comes to trying to tap into people's personalities. Did anybody surprise you with their answers or how much they, you know, kind of quote unquote, let you in? Cause you know, candidates are used to being pretty polished, um, in front of the public, but, Instagram and seeing, you know, the inside of their homes, or in some cases, their yeah. kids or <laughs> their pets running through, like, it changes the game a little bit.
1: Oh, one of my favorite interviews was recently with Jerry Dickinson, because um, his daughter decided to join us for part of it. And I love yeah. that. <laughs> I did. I loved that. I think it's important. You know, I actually had people reach out to me after saying, wow, seeing how wonderful he was handling his tiny little daughter during trying to talk about a very sensitive issue, they were like really impressed with him as a father. And they were like, that really made me look at him again. And I thought that, you know, I mean, having a cute little
0: toddler on your lap while you're talking about reproductive rights is like, I mean, yeah, that's, that's a vibe. Yeah, it's a, whole, it's a thing. whole vibe.
1: And she was all over the place and his patience with her. And it, it was amazing. You could tell <laughs> this man knows this stuff. He's walking around the house with her and he didn't miss a beat, like not a beat. There was it was just incredible. Um, same thing with uh, state rep uh, Malcolm Kenyatta. He was mm-hmm. he was very personable and let me into his world about growing up with a mother who had experienced um, issues, not ha- they didn't have enough money for insulin and why he started having to work at age Eleven to support um, her so she could handle her diabetes because she would literally go into insulin shock in front of him as a child, and understanding the need for more diversity—not just racially, but economically—in our um, electorate is really, really important. Um, and I think somebody that surprised me too—you uh, know—I've heard Summer Lee speak many times, and I've had her—I've had many conversations with her. She's always. Just fantastic and really drive, draws you in. But Abigail Salisbury, I didn't know anything about her. And she's actually running in Summer's district. If Summer were to become in Congress, mm-hmm. she's running for state rep in, in Summer's district. Everyone following that flow chart there? Yeah. And it's because <laughs> Summer's running for two spots at once, which is just got, you know, how do you even handle that? God love her. But, um, but Abigail was a lot more grounded than I guess I was anticipating. And I was really impressed with her as well. But I mean, there were, there were so many opportunities um, provided, but I just want to add something to your point. I did make a point to tell to ask Lisa, and we talked about this, about um, having people from the Republican Party on the show as well. I do not want yeah. this to be a silo, and I do not want this to be a progressive bubble. The whole point is to try to educate us on all the candidates and all the options so you make the best decision. I'm not trying to tell you who to vote for. I just want to give yeah, you yeah. info, but I, I had a very, very, very hard time getting um, any Republicans to come on, but I'm going to, I'm very tenacious. So I will, I will continue (laughs) to try into the general. I'm hoping the general will be easier because we'll have a more clear idea of who's actually going to be pitted against whom.
0: Why do you think that they didn't want to come on? Um, You know, by and large, the
1: Republicans. Well, you know, um, Megan, I'm a very intimidating person. (laughs) And I think I've probably terrified in, them. in your office, in your hoodie. <laughs> That's right in my <laughs> early in my morning. early morning hoodie, my election day hoodie. Um yes, no, I think I think there's probably a little bit of fear that they're not going to have the softball questions from me. I didn't give softball questions to the Democrats. I'm certainly not going to give them to the Republicans. and And if, look, if you're going to stand by certain um value systems, you need to be able to explain why. And you need to be able to take the heat for that. And I, look, I'm always somebody that says, if I put it out there, then I've said it in a way that I know, i if I get called on the carpet, I can defend myself. And I feel like if you're running for office, you need to be called on that carpet. And remember, these are elected officials. These people work for us, okay? We can hold them <laughs> accountable. So there needs to be accountability. These are not kings. These are not, you know, you don't have a fiefdom. Um, so there needs to be, a reckoning if if you're going to say that you are going to ban abortion then you need to explain how that's going to work, how that's going to be enforced, what that's going to look like and whom that's going to impact and why you're okay with those people being impacted. For example, you really took it back to basics with a lot of yes. these folks too,
0: asking them about not just their background but also the office that they're seeking. You know, what what is it that office actually does? Yes. Why was it important to you to kind of bring them back to that root level um, for the viewer? One,
1: because no one asks that. I think I <laughs> this is a big one. <laughs> I think, you know, when we when we hear interviews politically, when we see things in print and it says state rep, da-da-da is running for, everybody is assumed to know what a state rep is. To be completely honest with you, when I started this journey, I knew what it was. I didn't know what it was. Um, what it did, what it did. And I don't want people to shy away from listening to these interviews because they don't fully understand the subject matter. This is something that we all need to understand and be engaged with and recognize, you know, and that's something I learned during this in the first round when I was interviewing people for down to school board and really local, you know, I, I interviewed people for community council board positions, understanding these are the people that decide how. God love you. Thank you. <laughs> these are the people that decide how and when your trash gets picked up this is not sexy but if the trash doesn't get picked up real quick we're in a world of trouble so for me it was like not only is this about basics but also understanding that we don't live on an island we are all connected you know from the garbage men to the snow plow people to all of the people that make your community function it is because of how your local government is set up and who is running it is important for you to know so that you understand um, who is and is not doing a good job and hold them accountable. We have the power to hold them accountable with our vote.
0: Yeah. Were there any issues that you found to be like, uh, you know, especially interesting or that the candidates really lapped up? You know, obviously abortion took all the oxygen out of the room for progressive candidates for a while and will continue to do so. But as you're looking back, things that, you know, folks really connected with either, you know, your audience on
1: Instagram or maybe the candidates themselves. Absolutely. For me, a lot of it came down to issues that the candidates seemed very passionate about outside of Roe v. Wade. Uh, uh, were voting rights and um, fracking. Uh, In particular, talking about a a new green deal or talking about environmental justice at all. Um, Those to me really seem to hit home with a lot of the viewers too. They were asking a lot of questions. We have to remember Southwestern PA has some of the worst air quality. Um, A lot of us live daily with allergies and think that this is normal with our kids have asthma. This is an issue that crosses every demographic of life Um, Even if you don't live by a fracking plant, I guarantee you the the residual effects of that are impacting your family's health. Well, and that's fracking, let alone the, you know, Claritin-Cocorps, which is still functional. Still functional. And we talked about all of those things in broad strokes and in very specifics. So to me, that was a a very impactful component of this. And also racial justice as well. I I made a Mm -hmm. point to interview um, very diverse people uh, across across the board, because oftentimes the people that the issues impact the most are the people that aren't being included in the conversation. And that's ridiculous. So centering um, voices that are actually experiencing things, having those firsthand accounts, humanizing that and recognizing that we are all impacted um, by inequities across the board was really important to me as both a, a journalist and as a human, because I look at journalism as a form of social work. And I truly believe. That this is a very intense moment, um, a wild west for journalism in general. And messaging is everything. How we frame issues is everything. And I truly believe, and I've seen it, you can pull people from different parts or different uh, different parts of the aisle together when you talk in a way that humanizes conditions that impact everyone collectively. And when you meet somebody that that is going through something that doesn't look like you, building that empathy helps then the next time and the next time and the next time they hear an encounter. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Um, Well, and we're, I'll be thoughtful about your time, as you say to all of your guests as well. Um, (laughs) You know, one of my favorite questions that you asked just about everybody Mm -hmm. um, was, you know, in this current moment when so many of us have just kind of stepped back from politics um, and this, you know, cycle that we've found ourselves in, why do the candidates encourage people to vote anyway you know to maintain some positivity some optimism in their elected leaders and and get out there and do it did you hear from anybody you know anything that surprised you or you found to be you know a particularly
1: engaging argument we'll put it that way yes and actually it came from one of the thought leaders I had on um, all of their yeah. all of them were fantastic and and I appreciated everybody's <laughs> honesty about the the, the the need to vote um, did they get it? Do they get why people are like kind of checked out? Oh yeah. But, but, you know, I interviewed a lot of young, younger progressive people who they themselves, I think, understand why people are checked out because I'm sure before they got involved, they may have felt a little disconnected from the process too.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, and so yes, no, everybody was very, very engaged with um, the idea on needing to vote, but Liana Manice, um, she she's a therapist, and her and I talked about uh, one of the bonus episodes we had on recently to discuss the issue of abortion as it pertains to adoption. I asked her, you know, she's an Afro-Brazilian woman who who was born in in uh, South America and was uh, adopted by a white family here in Pittsburgh. And I asked her, I said, you know, why vote? You know, there there's a lot of people that feel What is the point? The two-party system is broken. You know, there's no fixing this. It's the same, you know, it's one corporate coin, two different sides. And I get it, but why vote? And I loved her answer because, I I mean, she's brilliant. I just, I could listen to her talk forever. (laughs) I really could. I'm like, read the phone book. You're amazing. Um, But she made a really eloquent, beautiful point, whereas this is life and death for some people, right? The decisions that are being made locally in in Harrisburg, in our communities, in D.C., Are actually going to cause severe harm if we ignore the call to action. So for her, you can vote because you are connected to the greater humanity and understand that it is a life and death moment. And also have one foot in a space to dream of a system that isn't so oppressive and to work towards building that system. And I love that idea of use your vote as a stopgap measure while also working on collective justice. And to me, if anybody is on the on the fence about voting, and, and I get it, because I've been there in a place of nihilism and apathy, where you're just like, what does it matter? We have seen the impact of elections from, from you know, former President Trump being elected to now what Stacey Abrams was able to do in Georgia. And it all yeah. comes down to voter engagement. And so I tell people, I I use Liana's words, and I always credit her because she deserves all the credit for it. But you can have your feet in two spaces working to dream of a better place and also stop the bleeding. And that's how I look at it as well. And I vote in every election, all the little ones. I love it all. I'm like, yes. City controller, yes, like all of it. Let's just do it. Same uh, election day, research day is really one of my favorite days of the I year. Like I
0: just sit down with my coffee, have a coffee and like and read, read about everybody. Together. Can we please? <laughs> yeah. I end up making like little charts and like yes. like some oh. graphs and everything. Oh my it's, god, it's, Megan, it's too stop. much every time. Oh, you're getting me warm. <laughs> Uh, Natalie, thank you so much for this. It's a true public service to interview this many candidates ahead of an election day. I can't wait to see what you do with the general election. I really appreciate everything that you've been able to do for City Paper and for Pittsburgh at large. So hope we get to talk to you again. Thank you for joining us on CityCast Pittsburgh.
1: Oh, thank you so much for having me. I appreciate you guys. And I love this show. So keep it up awesome work.
0: And you can find all of Natalie's interviews, the election ones and the bonuses if you can't handle any more election ish after today at pghcitypaper.com. We'll have links to them all in our show notes and in the newsletter, plus some information about how and where to vote today if you need a little bit more help getting out the door. Have you ever wondered how our drinking water gets to us or how that process could be improved? Well, the Pittsburgh Water and Sewer Authority already uses this really lengthy multi-step system and engineers are about to kick off a series of upgrades and replacements to the tune of $470 million. They think it's going to take until late 2026 or so to completely address everything, but it includes miles of central pipes, pumps, pools, and all the while they have to keep our drinking water flowing. And a Pittsburgh artist is competing on Jeopardy. Adriana Ramirez says she's loved the show since she was a kid, but the process to make it to the podium was a lot more complicated than she expected. She says she didn't really study, but because she grew up as an immigrant, she'd accumulated all kinds of random information, mostly just as a way to learn about American culture. You can catch her on the show Wednesday at 7 p.m. That's all for today here on CityCast Pittsburgh. If you're liking the show, please let someone else know about us and text us if there's a story we should be chasing. You can get us at 412-212-8893. The newsletter will be back in your inbox tomorrow, and we will be with you again on Thursday with more news from around the city. We'll talk to you all soon, and don't forget to vote.
1: I thought that went really well, I really enjoyed our banter.